Ladies and gentlemen, how is it that all of a sudden the St. Louis Cardinals can do no wrong? Welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer. Alongside you here after a common sort of situation that we've been dealing with for some time now. We're going to have to deal with it again tonight. I come to you after a St. Louis Cardinals win. As the Cardinals defeat the Milwaukee Brewers on Tuesday, September 21st. Do you remember the 21st of September? The Cardinals of 2021 will remember it as the night they won their 10th consecutive game. First time since 2001 that the Cardinals have rattled off a 10-game winning streak. And as Mike Schilt was asked to put it into words tonight, he said it's kind of hard to do because we have no intentions of stopping here. We are not finished yet with this winning streak. And it's possible that he's exactly right. The Cardinals have every reason to believe right now that they can keep this thing going, that they can remain confident in the abilities and the factors that have gotten them to this point. What a journey it's been. 81-69, and 69, the Cardinals' record as it stands. And again, this was a, a team that couple few weeks ago we kind of wondered you know it wasn't a guarantee even that the Cardinals would finish above 500 like it's just so hard to get back into that mindset because about two or three wins into this 10 game streak and you can go back and listen to some of the B-Shave dailies that we've done over the last week and a half I've been of the mind that the Cardinals are going to do it that they're going to make the postseason I, I've said on the show that I don't see any way they miss I don't see any way it can happen. The way they're rolling right now would take something catastrophic. And the mojo is just too good for now. The Cardinals are going to lose a game. Let's let's be clear about this. They're not going to run the table for 2021. Be cool if they did. As Matthew McConaughey would say, it'd be a lot cooler if they did. That's probably not going to happen. That's not realistic. But what is realistic is that the Cardinals over the course of and not just the last couple weeks, or not just the last week and a half when they've won these 10 games, but over the course of recent weeks, and even you could go back, Mike Schultwood, he would talk about the series in July against the Pirates that turned things around. That might have even been late June, it was so long ago, but where the Cardinals didn't even win that series, but they said this is, you know, it was their uh, Hugh Jackman from now on. Greatest showman, anybody? Nobody? Just me? Okay. But that was the moment that they kind of said, we're going to reorient ourselves toward the kind of baseball we want to play. And it's one thing to to rededicate yourself and and say you're going to do that. And it's another thing to continue believing that you can do that through some of those early games where it didn't actually look all that different to the fans and, and to a lot of people watching that would say, well, you're still losing games. It's still the same middling team. And then from there, the Cardinals got Jack Flaherty back and they got Miles Michaelis back. But then you get Jack Flaherty going back on the injured list. So they've faced their share of adversity even as all of this has gone on, and yet here they stand right now, winners of 10 in a row. It's just, it it boggles the mind. And to me, there's no hotter team in baseball, and there's no team, I don't think, with the kind of mojo, with the kind of swagger that the St. Louis Cardinals have and are going to, in my estimation, enter the month of October still maintaining. I think the Cardinals, where they are now, Again, I don't know that they're going to win 10 straight when we get to the the postseason and see what they do there, but I think that this team is just of the right mindset right now, and I just don't see anything 
stopping this train. And as we get a little bit further into it, and the wild card picture starts to clarify, and the division winners, that picture will begin to, to clarify and crystallize even further. Right now, as far as the Cardinals stand, there's not really, life's good, right? Like, you've won 10 in a row. You look at the standings in the National League, there's some teams, I guess you could say nipping at your heels, but uh, you're in the driver's seat at this point in time. Four games clear of the Reds, even further ahead of the Padres, just about four and some change. They haven't played the same number of games, but by percentage points, the Reds are ahead of the Padres. But you do have the Philadelphia Phillies still in the mix as well. They come up with a walk-off win over the Orioles on Tuesday night, but even they are about a half game behind the Reds. So the Cardinals are sitting pretty. They're in control of their destiny, more, more so now than ever, 10 in a row. You look at the standings, and it always shows that, that L10. That stands for last 10 results over the, the previous 10 games. 10 and 0. The Cardinals have a zero in that far right column, and you look at the rest of these contenders. The Reds, 3 and 7. The Padres, 2 and 8. The Mets, 3-7. and seven. Cardinals contributed to that. The Phillies, the only team among the wildcard contenders that has played above 500 baseball over the last 10 games. They're 6-4. and four. Another thing to keep in mind, they're 2.5 behind the Atlanta Braves. Is it possible? Is it conceivable that it's actually Philly that wins that division? And the Braves are the team with whom you have to contend for a wildcard spot. Because only one of these teams are getting in. If we talk about the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Padres and throw the Phillies in that mixture, only one of those four teams are getting in unless it's the Phillies leaping the Braves and then you can put the Braves right into the Phillies spot. So of those five teams, I guess you could say, only two teams are getting in and one of those two is guaranteed to come for the East. And so there's only one spot remaining for the other four. It's Would anybody be surprised at this point if the Cardinals currently, again, four games clear of these teams, would anybody be surprised if you, you get to that final weekend of the season and it's not even like none of those games matter? Like we've talked about Adam Wainwright and, and people say, well, he, you know, final game of the season, the Cardinals have lined him up to be able to pitch that last Sunday to pitch them into the postseason. And I've said that's not going to be required. That will not be necessary. And it may not be necessary for the Cardinals to care about any of those last three games, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at Bush Stadium against the Chicago Cubs. From a postseason perspective, it's possible they will have already clinched. I'm just saying, you're already up four games. It would almost be an upset at this point for anything else to happen, for that last game to matter, for that last series to matter. And so how have the Cardinals gotten here? Well, let's recap some of the last couple of performances will go with Monday and Tuesday. It's been a couple of days since we've had B-Shape Daily, but it's been more of the same from the Cardinals. Big John Lester on Monday, getting win number 200 for his career, hugging his Cardinals teammates, embracing Yadier Molina. How great is that? And the tweet I sent out of the the image that I saw circulating on Twitter, at Cubs fans, hey, check this out. <laughs> because you know that that is a... That's an image that Cubs fans want nothing to do with. John Lester, near and dear to their heart from the 2016 World Series run. And then he goes on to, I wouldn't say greener pastures, because there may not have been a more pleasant experience in John Lester's career. He's a multi-time World Series champion, but 
to be able to do it with the Cubs, Cardinals fans, if you're being objective, you've got to you've got to recognize that's something special, especially for that team and the, the history of that organization. But now that he's here with the Cardinals, he's all in, man. He's he's big John Lester. He's doing John Lester things, which is churning out quality starts. It seems like he gives up two solo home runs every time he pitches. But pretty much nothing else. And that was the case on Monday. Six innings, two runs, both on homers, three total hits, no walks. That's great. That's great, especially when you get the offense. The Cardinals have turned into the team that scores first. That was not what they were doing. If you think back to some of the darker days of the season, and there were plenty of them, you think back to the times where the Cardinals were getting to the bottom of the first inning in many games at Bush Stadium, and they're already down 2 nothing, and now they're doing that to the opposition. And yes... Lester gave up those two runs in the second inning on Monday, and it was a tie game for a long while until the Cardinals continued their battling offensively and were able to get it done 6th, 7th, and 8th with a run in each of those frames to win the game 5-2 to two on Monday. But there's something to that. When you get those first two runs, even if you do end up giving them back, which shortly thereafter the Cardinals did, there's still an element of, hey, we're in this game, rather than, you give up the two runs and you feel like, oh, now just to get back to the status quo, just to get back to square one, we've got to find a way to, to scratch and claw. You say, that's okay. Give up a couple of runs. We're going to hold it here, and we'll find those runs for you later. That is the mentality of the Cardinals team right now, and it is refreshing. It's got to be refreshing for the fan base. Twitter, man, you talk about social media. It's a totally different animal right now. It's, it's, a, it's like a party every night. Let's get to Tuesday's party. The Cardinals win a, a tough one. The Woodruff-Woodford game, say that five times fast. Jake Woodford going for the Cardinals. What about this guy? I mean, this is a guy that the Cardinals had to go out and, and acquire pitchers like John Lester and Jay Happ at the deadline specifically because they said, we can't have Jake Woodford starting games up here anymore. We've got to get him, we've got to get him into a different role get him to the minors where he can work on some things. It's just not uh, this environment for him right now is not conducive to his short-term success or ours as a team, nor was it for his long-term success. And I, Jake Woodford is not, you know, he's a young guy, but a guy who's, who's had some experience. He's 24, nearly 25 years old at this point. And so there comes a point where you say a guy goes from having potential and being a young guy to, Maybe he just doesn't have it. And when they sent Jake Woodford down the last time, I thought, shouldn't he, by this point, maybe be able to handle some of the rigors of what they're asking him to be able to do as a fill-in for the rotation? And at that, that point in time, he wasn't able to do it. He just wasn't there yet, and the Cardinals sent him down. And he was down there for about a month, a little bit more than a month. And you remember his first outing after he returned to the roster was that relief appearance following a rough outing by Kwon Young Kim, which ended up being his final turn in the rotation. Five and a third innings, zero runs, and two hits allowed by Jake Woodford in that game, and that was at Milwaukee as well. And from there, the Cardinals made the decision. They said, we're going to put this guy in the rotation. We're going to see what he can give us. And so far, again, it's a situation where you're not expecting this de facto number five fill-in starter to go six, seven innings. It's not what the Cardinals have asked of him, and it's not what he's done, but it's not what they've needed. September 9th, this was part of, to me, the beginning of the Cardinals' most recent significant turnaround, because as I've said, they've had this turnaround coming, 
It's been going on for weeks and weeks, and you could even argue months to some extent. But in the standings, they just had not been able to claw their way out of that magnetism that a few games on either side of 500 brought them toward. And so you're in that situation where you could potentially feel the season begin to slip away. You go back to the beginning of September. We knew the September schedule was going to be more difficult for the Cardinals, and they go to Milwaukee. And after a huge outburst in Game 1, they won that game 15-4, to they dropped the final two games, and September 5th was the Grand Slam game. Where you could say, if that hadn't happened, the Cardinals walk out of Milwaukee with two of three, and they're still on schedule. They're right where they need to be in terms of just continue to win series, take it two out of three, three out of four, whatever you've got to do. You don't need these sweeps. You can just slowly but surely make your way back into things. And the Cardinals were on track to do that until the Grand Slam. Daniel Vogelbach, guy is built like a barrel, and he hits the bomb off Alex Reyes, and the, the sky feels like it's crashing. Cardinals lose the first two against the Dodgers, scoring a combined three runs. And then you remember Adam Wainwright comes out on Wednesday the 8th. He wins that game, and it was Giovanni Gallegos coming on in the ninth inning to get that save after Wainwright pitched into the ninth. That was the one that broke Wayno's quality start streak because of the inherited runners that scored from Gallegos to put him to four earned runs. But Gio finishes off that game, and Adam Wainwright said, we had to win. This was He called it a must-win game and said, really, this is a must-split series. And the reason I go back this far is because Jake Woodford was the starter on the ninth, that game that they did win to split that series against Los Angeles. And they lost the first one against Cincy, but ever since then, they've been winning. Two in a row at Cincy. Or against Cincy, I should say. That was at home. Three in a row in New York. Three in a row against San Diego. And now you've got the first two against Milwaukee with a chance to go for three in a row, go for the series win in a four-game set before you head to Chicago for a four-gamer. That's going to be four games in three days. You've got the doubleheader on Friday. Jake Woodford, though, was part of that. He was part of the reason the Cardinals were able to get out of the hole that they were in. Because you guys remember what that felt like for the Cardinals. The Grand Slam game, who among you thought the Cardinals, yeah, this is a team that's about to go on an historic run into the postseason? Probably not many. And within that clubhouse, it took them a couple of days. Adam Wainwright said, Monday and Tuesday, those first two games against the Dodgers, we tried not to let it impact us, but it just it's human nature. It did. It took us a couple of games to shake that off. And that was, one of those games was, uh, I believe, the Max Scherzer game where he just pitched out of his mind and the Cardinals really had no shot in that one. And so you kind of write that off, but it just took – there's like a funk around the team and they had to just shake it off. Don't overlook Adam Wainwright and the job he's done as the stopper. No stop was as critical as that one on September 8th. No stop for Giovanni Gallegos maybe all season was as critical as that one to to clean up Wainwright's little uh, mess that he had made in the ninth, trying to get through the game. Didn't happen. But Gio comes in, gets that save, and then Jake Woodford, a stabilizing force. I think at this point you could say that about Jake Woodford. He gets the four innings, one run, and then in that Mets series, four innings, two runs. Another game the Cardinals win. And then tonight, Jake Woodford actually goes out and he earns the W himself. He gets through five, does not allow any runs, just a couple of hits and one walk, five strikeouts for Jake Woodford. 
can say it's the best start of his Cardinals career. Certainly the most critical start of his Cardinals career as he improves to 3-3 three and three on the season. And then you look at the bullpen, Alex Reyes, he's, he's pitching anywhere and everywhere right now, right? Struck out the side, he did walk him in, but he's coming in in the sixth inning, and that's what we've been asking, I think, the whole season. Get your best pitchers in the situations where you think the game is on the line. He can be that bridge. He can be that guy in the eighth inning. He could throw a ninth inning at this point, I think, if he had to. I don't think it's a mental block for Alex Reyes to not be able to close a game, and I don't know that the Cardinals would really hesitate to put him in that spot if they really felt they had to. When Gallegos is fresh, he is their closer. That's just the way it's going to be. But you've got guys cycling through these bullpen rolls. It's going really well on that front. Garcia gives up a run tonight. That's not the end of the world, but he did have another hiccup a couple of days ago against San Diego, and so something to keep an eye on. It's just he's been so good prior to these last couple of two or three outings in which he's allowed a run. Had been so just remarkable, hadn't allowed a run up until that point since back in July when he first got with the Cardinals. But something to keep an eye on. I think the Cardinals still have faith in him. I think he de- demonstrated why that might be able to pitch himself out of that jam in the eighth inning on Tuesday's game. And then Gio coming in for the ninth, a little bit of a jam there as well, no question about it. And I think another example, another feather in the cap of Mike Schilt, I think he made the right call, pulled the right strings tonight to ensure the Cardinals came away with that victory. It's not it's not anything to be ashamed of, the idea that you don't want to face Christian Yelich doesn't matter what kind of season he's having he's still Christian Yelich and there's it's a no-brainer that if you can go to the the bench and face a lesser hitter you want to do that because the guy at the plate's the only one that matters I understand you're like well I don't know about putting the go-ahead the winning run it's the bottom of the inning base hit wins the game Cardinals are done if he gives up that hit but you know what the Cardinals are probably done if he you know gives up a hit to Yelich and you've got first and third or whatever you've got it just it's just not a good situation to be in so I'm totally okay with, and obviously easy to say in retrospect, but as it was happening, I'm curious what people were saying, if they were liking that decision or not. I was watching it thinking, I, you don't want to face Christian Yelich. You remember the last time this was a, a topic of conversation in a game at Bush Stadium, ended up being a, an Alex Reyes wild pitch that sort of took the bat out of Yelich's hands anyway, but a situation where Josh Hader was in the, the cleanup spot and would have been pinched hit for in that whole game unraveled as well but to me you give credit to Mike Schilt for making that call you give credit to the players for executing he's got trust in the players to execute bullpen has trust in one another to be able to kind of be an assembly line out there and have one guy after the next go out and get the job done Cardinals beat a good pitcher tonight in Brandon Woodruff he's below 500 for the season 9 and 10 but the ERA at 2.52 that's just a that's kind of inexplicable given how good he is and has been for Milwaukee that he doesn't have more wins. But it's it's games like tonight where the Cardinals, you know, he was probably the better pitcher. I mean, he gives up the one run early. Cardinals basically manufacture that run in the first inning. Just you, you get Tommy Edmond doing Tommy Edmond things. Good things are going to happen. And in that case, it was Tommy Edmond beginning the game scoring the Cardinals' first run because he finds a way on base. It's a walk. It's a full-count walk. Steals second base. Goldsmith moves him over. O'Neill gets him in. That's scoring without a hit, folks. And sometimes that's the way it's got to be done. And the fact that that Cardinals' run held up for as long as it did in this game, it goes all the way until 
that eighth inning, and by then the Cardinals were able to add another one. And so when the Milwaukee Brewers do score in the bottom half, it's not the end of the world. Really impressive stuff. Tommy Edmond, of course, a part of that as well. He's the one that drives in the second run of the game. And for all the talk that I've done this year about Colton Wong, who I, you know, 787 is his OPS. Tommy's is 708. So I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of debate. And there are other statistics. And Tommy's done really well in stolen bases. He's done great defensively. Wong does that as well. I never wanted it to be about comparing the players to one another because that was never, that was my whole point, honestly, that you shouldn't be comparing them one over the other. You should be saying, wow, both of these players are good. How great would it be if the Cardinals had both of them? But I don't want to have that conversation and and serve it to diminish the contributions of Tommy Edmond, who's been great for the Cardinals this year in so many ways. And he's, he's the hero offensively tonight in a game that just didn't have a whole lot of offense. Cardinals struck out 10 times against Woodruff. They only muster five hits in the game, but they find a way to come away with two runs. And Tommy Edmond has his fingerprints over both of them, all over both of those runs. Scores the first, manufactures it himself with his legs, drives in the second. So just another example of Tommy Edmond. He's playing much better baseball, too in recent weeks and over the last month or so than that stretch in the middle of the season when everybody on the Cardinals was struggling. The team was, they weren't winning games. He was demoted from the leadoff spot there for a while. He had Carlson up there. Now I think this is the alignment that they want, but they, it has to be with Tommy Edmond thriving as the leadoff batter because now you can get Goldsmith still kind of serving in that pseudo. He can be a power hitter, but he can also be a table setter if you need him to be in that number two spot in the lineup. And he, he heeds that and takes that to heart pretty well. Very smart, obviously intelligent player, knows what he's doing, knows what, what his role in the lineup is. Tyler O'Neill's been mashing the ball. Arnado has been mashing the ball. So you've got all these guys kind of working in conjunction with one another. Makes a difference. And Dylan Carlson, again, he's not going to do it every game, but you've seen enough from Carlson of late to say he is contributing offensively in a positive way. And he's contributing defensively too, by the way. I mean, the, some of the catches these guys are making in this outfield, and Carlson in particular has had some in recent days, started the game off one the other day, first pitch of the game, crashing into the right field wall. It's just the the whole package. The Cardinals right now have been the total package offensively, defensively, on the pitching side, whether it's starting or relief, and then you can sprinkle in the base running that we saw filter into the game tonight on Tuesday, courtesy of Tommy Edmond. It's impressive, and it's no wonder that they're doing what they're doing when you look at every little facet of the game, and you can just put a big green check mark right to it and say, yep, the Cardinals are thriving in that area, and they're thriving in every area at this point, even in the games where they are not thriving offensively, and those are going to happen. We've talked a lot about the consistency of the offense and said, yeah, you want to turn those games where you score one or two into try to make that three or four, try to make that five. Sometimes you're just not going to be able to do that. You play 162 games an average scoring is an average for a reason because you're going to be below it and other times you're going to be above it. But in the games where the Cardinals are below it, they have found this uncanny ability of late to be able to have their pitching just recognize, oh, this is one of those games. We're going to need, we're, they're going to need to lean on us a little bit harder. In the defense, it's the same guys that are batting. It's just, well, we're struggling at the plate. But it's those same guys that can go out in the field and make a difference there defensively. And the Cardinals do that on a regular basis as well. So things are looking good for the Cardinals. Wanted to make sure I got with y'all tonight because it is 10 in a row. It is a momentous win streak for the Cardinals. But at the same time, I do think that there's more left in the tank for this team. I've talked a lot about what that postseason picture looks like. 
I've talked about how I don't think the Cardinals will be facing Max Scherzer in the wildcard game for a number of reasons. For one, I don't think the, the Dodgers are going to be in the wildcard game. I think they're going to win the division. I think the Giants are slipping. It's kind of bizarre to say about a team that has 97 wins at this point, but I think the, that the Dodgers have the momentum to overtake the Giants. And those teams play each other again before the season ends. And so I just feel, for one, I don't think the Dodgers are going to be facing the Cardinals on October 6th. I think it's going to be the Giants. And once again, if you've if you if your first time here, the Cardinals are going to make the postseason. I don't see any way around it. I want to reiterate that. Be very surprised at this point if they don't. And I'm not the guy that likes to just say stuff to say stuff because there's no value in it, but I just continue to repeat that because I, I want to illustrate just how far we've come around on our viewpoints of this team from where we were, where it was like, yeah, I guess we're you know we're gonna watch this to the end and see how uh, many wins they get. There's no momentum. There was nothing to, to to feel excited about. Right now, I don't know how you can watch this Cardinals team and think anything other than, yeah, this is a team that's going to make the postseason and they're going to do damage when they get there. The Giants would not stand a chance against the Cardinals in a wild card game the way the Cardinals are playing right now. Because you are going to have Adam Wainwright pitching in that game. I don't think you're going to need that Sunday on the final day of the season, October 3rd. That would be his turn, his final turn for the regular season rotation. I don't think there's any way that you're going to need him because you will have already clinched. And so on October 6th, it'll be Adam Wainwright. And then what that does is that lines Adam Wainwright to pitch game three of the NLDS as well, which would be Monday, October 11th on regular rest. 7, 8, 9, 10. Those will be his off days. So you can line him up for that for game three. Maybe you can steal one on the road in what I'm anticipating to be Los Angeles at this point in time. Obviously could be the Giants, but... I'm thinking Los Angeles is going to be that five-game series. And that is going to be tough. But I don't know why. I just have a feeling. The Cardinals have had the Dodgers number in recent years in the postseason. And that's going to be a very difficult matchup if you do end up having to play them for five games. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you only get them for one one game, maybe it is Max Scherzer. If it's not, it's you know Clayton Kershaw, which a lot of Cardinals fans would say, hey, bring it on. (laughs) Like your chances against that guy. But what if it's Walker Bueller? I mean, they've got arms. And you've seen the Dodgers throw a bullpen game at the Cardinals for nine innings, and that can be very successful. So Dave Roberts will pull out all the stops if it comes down to a wild card game. But over the course of a five-game series, the Dodgers are almost more dangerous because of the the depth that they do have. You can throw those three starters, and then if you need to, to have game four just be a, a bullpen game, you can probably do that too and be confident in, in emptying the, the tank for game five no matter, you know, everybody all hands on deck. And the Dodgers are going to have a better all-hands-on-deck approach than the Cardinals. The Cardinals are going to have a good one. And they may have Dakota Hudson and Jack Flaherty be part of that. And so that could be very dynamic if you, if you look at Mike Shilton and say, hey, we're putting the trust in your hands to be able to manage this appropriately and, and maximize the resources that, that will be placed on this postseason roster. So this could be very interesting. Of course, the Cardinals will have to win the wild card game, but I do th- I, I just think there's enough devil magic in the air to make that happen. And so, again, it's fun to get ahead of ourselves right now because the Cardinals are riding high, and so you can talk about the future, and it doesn't sound so crazy. But that's the way I, I see it breaking down. And then you talk about, before I thought, you know, when they get there, though, if the Cardinals do, they win that wild card game, they beat the other California team in the NLDS, and then you're in the NLCS. And that other matchup, that other LDS, is going to be the Brewers and the Braves provided the Braves don't fall apart and end up losing to the Phillies in that division. And so if that's the case, 
I, I thought the Brewers, I, I kind of discounted the Braves a little bit, and I got to recognize there's talent over there as well. I think the Brewers, they're top three in the rotation. If they're all healthy, those guys are too good. I think the Brewers could have some trouble scoring, and the Braves have some good pitching as well, but they've, they've had a lot of that pitching get hurt over the course of the year. And so that could be a difficult matchup for them. I've just figured it's going to be an NLCF with the Cardinals and Brewers. And in that case, I was kind of thinking, I don't know if the Cardinals can win that. But now we're seeing right now what it looks like for the Cardinals to take it to the Brewers head-to-head. And they're thriving in this arena. Like before 10 days ago or 12 days ago, after game two of that Dodgers series, we thought, man, the Cardinals just can't quite do it against the good team still. That August schedule was so soft. It was so beneficial. And the Cardinals didn't really take full advantage of it. They got themselves into a decent enough position, but it wasn't like they were juggernauts. And so you're like, yeah, here it is again. Now that you're, you know, the going get tough. It's tough competition. It's contending teams on the September schedule. It's going to be difficult. But the Cardinals have exceeded every expectation to go out and each time they play a new team, it's like, oh, they can finish off the Dodgers to to hold on to a, a four-game split rather than getting swept out of Bush Stadium and, and looking like their season's over. Oh, they can take it to the Reds. Oh, they can take it to the New York Mets. They're not a contender now because of the Cardinals. Oh, they can take it to the Padres. The Padres are looking to fire their manager now. I'm not going to say because of the Cardinals, but that because that was already brewing apparently. But if you've missed that story, I believe Kevin AC wrote that, San Diego Tribune. That's just the Cardinals are just taking on all comers right now, and the Brewers included. Brewers, I, if there's ever been a team that the Cardinals would have some trouble with, it'd be the the Grand Slam team, the team that on September 5th, made it seem like this year might be over for St. Louis. And then St. Louis responded the next two nights and said, yeah, pretty much it probably is over. <laughs> the way they played against the Dodgers those two games. it's the, it, That would be the Brewers. That would be, you could understand how they would struggle with that team. The way the Cardinals look against the Brewers, at least the first two games of this series, I'm thinking, I don't know if they lose the NLCS either. You're running out of rounds for me to predict the Cardinals to lose in. There's only one after that. There's only one after that, folks. That'd be the World Series. And again, hate to get too far ahead of ourselves, but clearly I, I don't hate it that much because I'm still saying it. And so we'll, I'll, I'll give some official postseason predictions when they get there, but right now I'm just giving the, the long-range view of, over these next couple of weeks to say I think the Cardinals are going to be there, and it's going to be very interesting what happens when they, when they arrive. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Like I said, wanted to get on here, talk for half an hour or so about the Cardinals and this winning streak that they've, been able to put together pretty soon we're gonna have to start shifting into okay what's the rotation lineup look like what's the what's it look like for magic number how close are the cardinals to potentially clinching a postseason berth and then we talk about postseason roster there will be some very interesting discussions to be had about that if and when the time should come so make sure what i'm trying to say make sure that you subscribe to be shaped daily if you've not already done so because we will still be rolling along with this team through the end of the postseason. And then after that, we've got plenty of offseason to talk about. Remember a few weeks ago when the questions were all about what the Cardinals will do in the offseason? I, th- I said, just wait a little bit. Just wait a little bit. Well, there will be plenty of time for that. But right now there's baseball going on. I, never did I envision this, though. I thought they had a chance, but I didn't think it was anything like this. And there were definitely times where I was like, yeah, if I'm saying they have a chance, it's to be polite. <laughs> it's just to be respectful. I don't want to be that guy to count them out before they're out. But at this point, I've bought in with what I'm seeing. I, It's very impressive. And it seems like a lot of the fan base has bought back in. What I will say, and I'm not an employee of the team. It doesn't make any difference to me. But 
The one thing I will say is I think I think fans should show up for that final homestand of the season. You've got a lot of reasons to do so. They'll be honoring Mike Shannon. That's one of them. You've got a team that's going to the postseason. That's another one of them. At least it looks like it. And they, they might be fighting to clinch over that final homestand. So I definitely think Cardinals fans, I know what kind of year it's been. We've talked a lot about it on B-Shape Daily, but I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to get down to Bush Stadium if you can, and, and tickets are still going to be dirt cheap. I don't, I don't know. I guess it's just because laws of supply and demand. But I, I saw a promotion with Adam Wainwright where a dollar of every ticket's going to big league impact charities, and you can get tickets for like five bucks or even ten dollars for that final series against the Cubs. So, I again, I'm not a team employee, but if you're a fan, I'd recommend you do that because for one, it'll get you in the mode because postseason baseball could be coming to a city near you. First of all. And second of all, it's just weather's going to be getting nice. You got a contending team. There's a lot of reasons to get down to Bush. And so I'll be excited to be there that final week of the season. And uh, maybe I'll see you down there. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really fascinating to see how the next few weeks unfold for the Cardinals, not just over the course of the regular season, but if and when they reach a potential wild card game and beyond. Could we be talking Cardinals baseball in St. Louis through deep into October? It's possible. At one time or another, it did not look very likely or, or even plausible. But at this point, it's more than possible. I would say it's probable. And so we'll see how the Cardinals are able to respond. Ten in a row, it's like you're playing with house money at this point. But now I think there is that onus to say, oh, how long can they actually go? How long can this streak last? Cardinals will be figuring that out over the coming days. It's going to be another game against the Brewers on Wednesday night. Miles Michaelis taking on Brett Anderson so you don't see... Mr. Corbin Burns in that game. And that dude is dastardly. And so be, be glad for that. He won't be robbing the Cardinals of a chance at 11 in a row. But then you will get on Thursday. That's going to be a day game before the Cardinals head out to Chicago. You will get Adrian Hauser. And if there's one thing Adrian Hauser has done, it's nearly ruined my fantasy playoff chances in the last round when I picked him up and he laid an egg last weekend. Anyway, Cardinals baseball. Looking hot. Appreciate you all once again for joining me on B-Shape Daily. As I mentioned a few moments ago, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on more platforms to find out all the places that you can download the show. Thank you all once again, and we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!